This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Miranda, who has been known to travel with hard-boiled eggs. (laughs) And that's Mel, who recently purchased 21 kimonos on Poshmark. So you had a horrible, no good, and very bad week. What in the world? What in the world? Okay. Uh, um. Well, I really <laughs> did, honestly. Uh. So I, it was actually, it was like kind of two weeks, to be honest. Yeah. So I, I know that I told you how my dryer wasn't working. <laughs> You're literally texting me pictures of your panties strung up on a clothesline in your sunroom to try yeah. to dry yeah. It, it it came to that. It really did. It, it okay. looked like a third world country on your back porch. Well, now, in all <laughs> truth, my mother still hangs clothes out on a clothesline, but we do not have a clothesline here. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I don't like clothes that are hung on a clothesline because they're usually real stiff. Yeah. But we had get, no choice. Stiff. It yeah. was our it was our only choice. So um It led to one of these discussions, which I feel like many of us are having in this era, where we wanted to fix the dryer that we had because it seems very wasteful to get rid of an Mm. entire dryer if it's possible for it to be fixed. Right, right. So so as you know, I love to research. So I go on various websites and I have found the problem that usually occurs with most dryers and it's like the starter switch or something the ignition where you put the key in and turn it yeah right well the the, just the (laughs) button that you push you know and I'm like okay okay so I located a place where I could buy a new starter switch button thing yeah incredible and uh, I figured out how to install it and I, I did it all accurately. And on that day, I was so excited because my husband's working a ton lately and he yeah. there was, he didn't know where the shop was because it's near my office and whatever. So I'm handling yeah, all yeah, of this. Yeah. I'm so excited. I put it in. I plug it in. Uh-huh. Nothing. After all of that, after After all all of that, that. there were like YouTube videos involved with this process. There were like hand tools involved with this process. Mm -hmm, You do all of that work and then zilch. Nothing. So then I had kind of this firing up. 
I had this weird and what turned out to be incorrect gut feeling that maybe there was something wrong with the electricity in that outlet because that mm-hmm. outlet we had to actually have replaced or changed out when we bought the shortly after we bought the house. So mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. it's an electrical issue. Yeah. So then I had my little like voltage meter. Oh my gosh. I don't know. You know what that <laughs> you is? With your, that... your multimeter. Yeah. I love that. I had my so little multi tool. So and... you can measure the amperage and the voltage. Right. Loving right. this so much. <laughs> no reading on that outlet, Uh-oh. which of course Uh-oh. it's a 220 outlet because it's for a dryer. Yeah. And, so you and... should be seeing 220. So then there. I'm like, well, maybe this isn't working. So then I'm testing mm-hmm. all the outlets in the house and everything's working, just mm-hmm. not that one. Mm. So I'm like sticking it in as far as I can, you know, no reading. (laughs) Oh, no. So then I pay an electrician to come look at it because I'm not playing with 220. I'm not doing that. Like, yeah, no, don't. mm -mm. No, don't do that. No. No. So I actually I probably should have talked to your dad is what I should have done. But yeah, you can FaceTime him and he can walk (laughs) you through just about anything. (laughs) So it kind of comes in handy. The electrician comes out at, and at first he's like, yeah, you're right there. We're not getting any reading on this outlet. And mm. so then he checks breaker box, which of course my husband and I have both done that. Nothing, nothing. Mm. Anyway, it wasn't the outlet. Turns out it was some mm. sort of new fancy safety 220 thing that you can't get a reading from the outside. Like you have oh. to like. Yeah, it's probably wow. some kind of safety feature, which yeah. only exists because we had to just get that outlet. It's like right? a brand new. Yeah, that right. makes sense. Um, so anyway, I talked to the electrician while he's here because, you know, I'm paying him like $75 for nothing. Jeez. And um, he says, uh, well, I mean, you really should just replace this one component. And this is like this looks like replacing the switch, but like mm-hmm. times 12. And I'm like, oh. oh, I don't know. There's a lot. Oh, wow. All right. So anyway, that's that's what the rabbit hole I was on to next. But yeah, then, please guess because I'm already $100 in right to try and yeah. fix the dryer because the switch was 25 and I paid the electrician 75 who basically couldn't do anything to help you. Please guess how much the one other component that it might be in the dryer cost. Oh, gosh. I have no idea. What, 500 bucks? No, it wasn't that much. But still, it's right on the on the cusp of where you have to really think about it. $175. That's right on the cusp. Yep, yep. Because if it was less than 100 it's like, oh, well, let's give it a try. But when it's pushing 200 you're like, mmm. Because then like, you I'm start already thinking, $100 in. Right. You're like, yeah. that's like a fourth of the cost of a new dryer. Like, I'm, I mean, actually, a third we, ended of cost up, of the new dryer. we ended up getting a new dryer. Sorry, world. Yeah. I tried to repair <laughs> it. I wanted to. But we ended up Man. getting a new dryer for... Four ninety nine. Okay, okay, not and bad. that was including like the new plug in and them taking yeah. the old one away. So, but wow. not how I wanted to spend that five hundred dollars. One hundred percent. So then Ugh. I'm thinking, okay, well we're good now. We got a new dryer. That <laughs> that's last. been handled right. Yeah, you know, I finally Crisis caught up. Averted. <laughs> I kind of finally caught up on laundry. Uh, yeah. Well, then <laughs> sure, all that time I'm walking through my living room one day. And I saw what I thought was like a shadow on the ceiling. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I look up and there's this long brown spot 
that has never been there before. Oh, no. And I was like, oh. So I go outside to look at the roof as it corresponds to, you know, about that spot. And there is a spot on my roof that looks like a wild animal got up there and like scattered all the... Me. No. You are kidding me. Oh no, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I mean, like... Even from the ground, you could tell this is not good. Is it possible that this same critter was down in your dryer? Possibly. I mean, maybe. <laughs> you had maybe. like a dryer weasel. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh my so, gosh. So then I have to find somebody to come look at the roof because there was a ton of rain forecasted coming up. Like, oh, I mean, no. like inches and inches of rain. Yeah. Yeah. And our attic is like not accessible like i come from a long line of like fix it type people but mm -hmm. neither myself yeah. or my husband are like agile roof walking types that know anything <laughs> about what to do with any of that and our attic you can't even get in and out of it's crazy like there's mm -hmm. just beams everywhere there's nowhere to walk so we can't even like put a bucket under whatever hole there is, oh, you know, wow. and there's this yeah. rain coming. So I make many phone calls and finally find these people to come um, look at our roof. And this very agile, very young, handsome roof man comes. Okay. And he gets up there and he, God bless him. He was very nice. He gets up there and he comes back down and he goes, I love that you describe him as young, handsome and agile. <laughs> He was all of those things. I'm really picturing this guy. He went from one end of our house in the attic to the other end of our house in the attic in like less than three minutes. And we that had is impressive. We had like six HVAC people out here a couple years ago, and they were all like, "Oh, that's inaccessible. You can't get across." Oh that. wow! I'm like, oh. anyway, bad news on the roof. The people who owned it before us did literally everything wrong. Like oh, they put no. an, a new roof over an old roof. They oh they didn't put venting where they should have. You know, mm. I mean, it's bad news. It's like ten thousand dollar bad news. Oh gosh! Um, but they offered us a patch, like a patch repair kind of thing. Okay, and okay. That okay. was that was also ironically the same cost as what it costs at the end of the day with taxes and all with the dryer. So it was like, oh. you know, yeah, like 550 well, for this, 550 for this. <laughs> not the way we wanted to spend. It's an $1100 week, not what I was hoping oh, for. Oh jeez. Oh my gosh. At least they were able to patch it though because oh my gosh, could you imagine like if you had to like <laughs> figure out a $10,000 emergency roof fix like nobody wants that nobody wants that in no, their life at nobody all wants that's the that. worst I didn't even want the $600 oh, wow. one that we ended up with anyway we're my husband and I talk and we're like all right we paid them for that and then we're gonna pay them probably another time whenever the next spot appears on the ceiling but then after that we're gonna have to figure out how mm -hmm. we're gonna mm -hmm replace the roof because yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like it's actually really bad but what you know what do we know oh. okay so this is home ownership folks that's yeah fun. home ownership so, 101 dryer so, ownership so i'm finally feeling like i've gotten through the week and i'm like okay and i don't know miranda i won't go into details to bore everybody but i've been doing these shakes for lunch three days a week right yeah. So I had had my stupid shake for lunch, like my shake for lunch that at this point by the third day kind of makes me want to gag a little bit, even when I just smell it, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, a, 
it's just mm. you just get kind of tired of it yeah yeah so i had done that for three days and it was the fourth day and one of my coworkers got hibachi from this hibachi place uptown and it smelled so good and i was like I'm going to get myself some hibachi. I have spent $1,100 on nonsense. I'm getting hibachi. I deserve this. Good for you. I was envisioning drizzling the like yum yum sauce on top. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. I don't like a lot, but just a a little bit. I I could taste it as I'm walking to my car. Oh, yes. This is so good. I get in my car. I put it in reverse. And it feels real weird. Oh, gosh. What now? What now? What? Well, at first I was like, maybe there's something like a cup or something weird in the parking space. I get out, walk around the car. Mm -hmm. The flattest tire I have ever had in my life. No way. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, it's like an on the rim situation. It's an on the rim, like not drivable situation. No. So So much for your hibachi. Yeah, right. Hibachi's out at this point. (sighs) So thankfully, I was still at my office and there we do have an air compressor. So I went back in and got that. Um, one of my coworkers helped me. We got it pumped like up, up because this yeah. leak was substantial, you know? Yeah, it's a And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to get hibachi because hibachi is mm. right by work and tire store is right by home. So mm. I leave and like the whole way I was so nervous. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Like how fast is it going to lose air? Right. Where is the puncture? Like, is my tire just about to blow out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So here's where I feel like my week redeemed itself. They said when I first walked in that it was going to be two hours, which I really like who wants to spend two hours at a tire store. Yeah, no, um, no and one, of course no it one. was a, it was the one day that week that my husband had an early gig, so like I'm on my own here. Like there's nobody to pick me up or bring me a snack or anything because he's at work. And so I was like, okay, well if that's what it's gonna be, fine. They had me out of there in under an hour, and it was free. What? Wow. So wow. There's, slow, slow clap. Slow clap for you. There's that, the redemption. You needed that. After the week that you had, that was what you needed. Not as good Ugh. as hibachi, but at least you caught a break. Okay, Miranda, what is our parenting topic for this week? Yay! Okay, so parenting in the summertime comes with all kinds of fun and unique challenges. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can I get a what? What? (laughs) A whole new set. A whole new set. So I wanted to kind of look at how do we set up like doable, manageable summer routines that give us just the right level of sanity? Because I feel like there's this spectrum where there's some people in the summer that like overschedule, hyperschedule, everything is like planned out. I mean, honestly, you kind of usually tend to fall in that category. 
You know, I do. And um, I've been compared to Leslie Nope by by mostly primarily you uh, when it comes to that. But mm-hmm. I've also kind of learned from that too. like that is really not practical. And for me, as an Enneagram seven, we all need to like do our Enneagrams on here one day. But no. um, <laughs> yes, it'd be so fun. And Mel is such a five, you guys, by the way. Oh, my gosh. If you haven't figured that out yet. For me, it's like I want to plan out as much as I can because then I know where like, like I can plan how much fun we're going to have and I get to hype it all up and have all these awesome expectations. But anyway, then when things don't match up to my expectations, it leaves me feeling really sad and like deflated. So that's not fun either. So I've kind of eased off my hyper scheduling, but I'm definitely not the other end of the spectrum, which is just like letting your kids be completely free range and run completely wild either. I feel like we need a healthy balance that works for both us as parents and also for our kids and what's best for them. So wanted to kind of pull some things together, maybe throw out some ideas. And I would love for like our Facebook community and our our moms on there to kind of chime in with what they like to do in the summertime as well. So we'll Uh, be putting that out on social media this week. You know, when it comes to like routines in general, routines are actually super, super healthy for our kids, especially younger kids and like young school age children. Our kids are really conditioned for routines at school. This is good for their brain development. It gives them a good framework and some psychological safety for what to expect and kind of what the parameters of reality are. So it's really keep that in mind, like routines are so important for brain development, and they really provide your child with psychological safety. So we want to have routines in place, but we also don't want to like constrain every single little thing. So we have to have that balance. Now I did find out there <laughs> for our for our uh, Leslie Nope moms, uh, if, if you want to go into all of that, you totally can. And sometimes that's really, really good for kids that thrive on routines. And I know my son really, really, really thrives on routines. Children on the autism spectrum really, really thrive on routines. And so there's certain things we can use as tools to to support that. And I found this really cute little cheat sheet online. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it's basically a printable little routine and you can laminate it and then just use a dry erase marker. And your child can kind of check back into that, you know, put it on their fridge, put it somewhere that's accessible accessible in your home. And they can kind of keep coming back and checking in and seeing what has been done and what still needs to be done for the rest of the day. So I'll put a link there. But you know, again, don't feel like that's something I'm necessarily recommending. I just think tools like that can come in handy if that works for you and your family. And it's certainly if it works for your child. So I do want to kind of hone in on like tried and true routines, morning, bedtime, meals, and then naps for younger kiddos. I know like you and me, Melanie, we've talked so much about like morning routines and like during the school year when you have to peel your child out of bed at like 615. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. It's the worst. It's bad. It's really bad. It's the worst. But you also don't want your kid to like sleep in until 930 and then have shell shock when they have to go back to school in the fall. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like somewhere in there is like a sweet spot where there's a reasonable time to wake up. And we need to kind of stick and be consistent with that. However, that kind of looks and fits in with with this schedule of the family, you know, and. 
again, like remembering to help your kids with like their self-care and hygiene is so important. Kids need to be brushing their teeth in the morning. Kids need to be, you know, eating a healthy breakfast and doing all these things. Like that's critical, not only for their physical development, but also their brain development and their independent skills as well. So keep all of those things in place that are tried and true. If you slide that uh, morning alarm back a little bit, I'm actually very much in favor of that. And I know you are too, Mel. Oh, definitely. I'm in favor of a later alarm on any day possible or no <laughs> alarm at all is where I fall, but for sure. And then bedtime, same kind of thing there. You know, your self-care, brushing your teeth, washing your face, whatever it is that you do for bedtime. If that includes a bath, you know, making sure you maintain as many of those things as possible is, is really critical. And then there's a lot of research out there about meals. One of the big problems I think that children encounter in the summertime, especially, is it's like they have free access to all of this food. And then in the summertime, our grocery bills skyrocket because they're eating three meals at home a day. They are snacking at all hours of the day. And that's really not healthy for anybody. So making sure you kind of manage what time is breakfast, what time is lunch, what time are we going to snack, and making sure we have some healthy options for that. I think I want to do a whole standalone episode on like healthy summer snacks and like healthy summer meal routines, you know, later on in an upcoming episode, because that's really important. But the last thing you want is for your child to just have free range access to whatever kind of snacks, junk food that's in your house all day every day in the summer. Okay. I need you to come over and tell Jonah that. <laughs> we'll just put some <laughs> locks on all of the cabin doors. Well, and I know Jonah's inviting all the neighborhood kids over too to come and run. Oh yeah, through. he is. He he wants a tub <laughs> of snacks. Yes, all you're the gonna time. have to you're gonna have to renew that Costco membership after all, Melanie. Uh, no, Aldi is my friend right now. I'm I'm those are all Aldi Jeez. items, but it is it is just like you want them to be able to like go and get something, but then it's also like Oh my gosh, you ate four packs of gummies today. Like four packs of fruit oh, snacks. Like this is not are okay. You, are you kidding me? This <laughs> one friend of Jonah's ate an entire box of fruit snacks one day. Mm -mm. Yes. An entire box. I'm assuming that their household is much more rigid than ours. And oh, wow. we were kind of new to having neighborhood friends. So I didn't really Ooh. put any limits on whatever. I mean, like, <laughs> I saw what cupboard they were in and I knew there mm -hmm. was nothing in there that was like not that they couldn't have. Right, and, right. Yeah, it was all kid-friendly options. Right. And before I knew it, an entire box, box of, fruit of fruit snacks, snacks were gone. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what the trick is. One, one thing that I saw was like, you can put a little accessible snack bin like in your pantry down below, but you fill it up every day. And once the snacks and like things oh, are gone, girl. they're gone. No, you can't do that around here. What you have to do <laughs> here is you fill, I have a container that I fill mm -hmm. and I take it out in the garage because they like, they hang in, in the, the garage. garage. They're I garage so kids. Much. We have chairs out there. <laughs> so they're either in the garage or the tree that has the swings in it. Oh yeah. The and tree I, with the swings is nice. And I put it out there Yeah, and that's it. And it's literally empty. Yes. Every 
time. Oh, and, I'm like, sure. They'll send Jonah in to get something more. <laughs> can we have more? And sometimes I'm like, no. No, you can't. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love that so much. Snacks aren't cheap. <laughs> They're not. They're really not. And I know those grocery bills skyrocket in the summer. So Ooh. whatever whatever we can do and like, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a healthy alternative instead of something prepackaged. I stopped buying prepackaged stuff a long time ago. Like I'll put in Fisher's little Tupperware like that go box whatever you know i'll put here's some animal crackers here's some teddy grams here's whatever and stay away from buying all those packs but nah yeah but i'm also not feeding a horde of neighborhood children so yeah. it's manageable it's i mean manageable i can't buy here. it in a whole box if i send that whole box out there they'll eat the whole box like they That's have the to truth. have yeah oh yeah packages Oh, yeah. My goodness. Um, So another really cool tip I saw about like routines is setting up like a weekly routine. So outside of your daily routine, kind of have something set every week, especially like if you're not traveling or going on a lot of trips. So like you could say Saturday is going to be zoo day or, you know, we're going to go out somewhere on Saturday and do a family activity like out and about. We have a zoo membership here to our local zoo. Highly, highly recommend that. I think in most cases, a zoo membership pays for itself after just, you know, a couple of of trips. So it's it's worth it in a lot of cases to just have that as an option. I think we're actually going to go tomorrow uh, out to the zoo. Sunday could be like go for a walk day and you could go walk in a different place and like explore a different place. I saw a lot of templates for like little scavenger hunt cards and things that you can do if you're oh, going out Jonah to a different loves spot. loves a scavenger hunt. Nice. Yeah. Of any so, kind. And it could literally be like you have to find this kind of tree or you have to find a purple flower or or whatever it is, but they have like a little, even a bingo card that they have to walk around and like find on those walks. One thing that could be really cool is you could have like a day in the middle of the week be like a treat day. Like, oh, we're going to go out for slushies or we're going to go out for ice cream. And then handy tip there, maybe the day before treat day is a chore day. So it's, you have to clean up, you have to vacuum, you know, you can find an age appropriate chore for your child. And then if they complete that that chore on chore day of the week, then they get to participate in treat day of the week. So I thought that was kind of a, a cool thing. And older yeah, kids, of course, good idea. Yeah, you could do like an allowance for kids who are a little bit older, especially if you need to knock out some summer projects around the house or like some outdoor like landscaping projects and things like that. And then something that we do here is like a standing family movie night. So for us, Sunday nights are always family movie night and we all take turns picking out a movie. You could do a game night, pizza, night, you know, all kinds of different things. But it's nice to kind of have, again, some form of structure and like a sense of what what the family is going to be doing and how how things are going to move. But again, don't hyper schedule every single thing. Make sure you've got days where it's just, hey, we're just going to unwind, relax. It's a free day, whatever. And don't feel like, you know, you have to (laughs) put a ton of thought into this and do every single thing. Maybe you just pick one thing to do that that works. Let's keep going here. I got a few other little things. Summer could also be a really great time to encourage your child to try something new that they haven't done before. We do that a lot with summer camps. I know there's a lot of really great summer camps out there like karate camp, cheerleader camp that I got kicked out of. Thank you for bringing that up. Yep. (laughs) 
there's art camps, nature camps, all kinds of fun camps. Maybe there's a hobby or like a craft your child wants to do. And this is hilarious. But when I was a kid, this is so stupid. For whatever reason, Melanie, I don't even know if I've ever told you this. For whatever reason, I got really into... (laughs) Oh, man, I'm nervous right now. (laughs) I got... I got really into making balloon animals. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like the long skinny balloons. And then Mm -hmm. like you tie all the knots in them to make like a teddy bear or like a dog. dog. Or like a sword. Oh, my God. That is really, really (laughs) random. There was one summer where I was like, I want to make balloon animals. And my parents were like, okay, that'll keep her busy. So I remember like sitting on my bed. I had like a little mermaid bed with like a balloon pump. And I'm sitting there. blowing up these balloons and I had this little book that was like this is how you make a bear and um <sighs> my sisters this is the best part though my sisters wanted me to make them swords so they could sword fight but of course the swords really just look like giant inflatable yeah. penises uh-huh. and they're like running around the house. very phallic every time I see one <laughs> oh it was so funny so anyway really weird fun craft phases enjoy that take lots of pictures because that'll be fun when your kids grow up and you can tell them remember that summer that you made all those balloon animals (laughs) well the next time i see you i really want a balloon animal i can still probably crank out a dog they're not that hard to do (laughs) okay well i feel like this is a fun spot for me to tell you my one summer camp that memory very vivid yes (laughs) because as as like many of us, uh, my mom worked. So uh, I had to, I was in that like in between phase where my child has been that I was too young for a lot of things, but too old for other things. So Mm -hmm. I ended up at like the town summer camp that was like at the park that wasn't far from my parents' house. Okay. And you know, we did all the things, not balloon animals that I recall, but like <laughs> there were like, you know, arts and crafts and like scavenger hunts and soccer and, you know, games okay. and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Well, I was a very awkward child. And this was, of course, <laughs> run by the they were like high schoolers at the time. But, oh, you sure. know, yeah. I'm probably yeah. like seven seven six or seven mm-hmm. and so high schoolers to me seemed like full-grown adults you know oh yeah oh yeah and you couldn't get I, I will preempt this by saying you could not get away with this in 2023 okay but okay. clumsy mel uh-huh. trips and <laughs> On a fire ant pile. No, no. (laughs) I grew up up in Ohio. There were no fire ant piles. I tripped and fell down a hill. Oh, my gosh. It's okay. I was okay, but I landed in a giant muddy puddle that was at the bottom. Okay. And I mean, I'm talking like my... Hawaiian pattern shorts are oh no oh man the Hawaiian pattern shorts and it's so bad that like the counselors who as I mentioned are high schoolers right like oh my god like we cannot make her (laughs) stay here like this like like, you know what are we doing yeah yeah 
Well, unfortunately, or fortunately uh, for me, the one camp counselor was like literally the hottest, coolest guy in our high school. And he <laughs> would you like, say that he was agile? <laughs> He was definitely agile and he was very handsome. And he happened to go to the same church that my family went to. So he knew who I was and like where I lived. And he was like, well, Melanie, do you you have a key to get in your house? I could take you home so you can change. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not not allowed in 2020. No, no. No, But I mean, it was completely innocent. Like nothing weird happened. He was helping you. He wanted to make sure he was helping me. And thank God, because I was so embarrassed because I looked like I had shat up my back like baby (laughs) blowout but like i'm seven or eight you know oh my gosh but he took me home and 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 i remember like panic rushing in my house like yeah oh my gosh what you know like what do you do in your seven or eight year old brain when you have to like let yourself in like because that was something that i had like just learned you know yeah yeah you let yourself in but then like what do you do with muddy shorts when you're seven wow yeah because obviously my child's theory is to just throw them wherever he takes them off but like they're literally covered in mud yeah what'd you do with them I wish I remembered. I'll have to ask my mom. But I just know that she came home and was like, did Melanie just shit herself at summer camp? Like what happened here? I can only imagine that they had probably contacted my mom to ask Uh, if it was okay for. Yeah, sure. You know, these adultish high school counselors. Right. I love they're called counselors, by the way. Right. I know. (laughs) But I just will never forget that. Like, and I have never run into him again. Like, I mean, he was the like you know like the local celebrity like he played varsity mm. football and basketball and it oh, was goodness. like i was like oh man <laughs> so embarrassing seven or eight year old wow that's amazing that's amazing it's definitely not as embarrassing as balloon animals let's just let's just be real i here. don't know that's bad no it's it's bad and you know it <laughs> oh, yeah okay all right penis so swords <laughs> penis swords so older kids can get involved too um i actually really liked this so you can have older kids and this is something i think you should try with jonah he could learn how to cook a meal for the whole family and this could build his skills so, like you could teach him how to like use a pan on the stove yeah or like set the oven and like be safe like using oven mitts and everything and taking things in and out of the oven and then if they're like you know independent enough old enough to like go to the grocery store and like help pick out ingredients they could like plan everything from start to finish they could like have a budget like hey you you have twenty dollars how are you going to feed us tonight and that's a good idea make it their responsibility and what i like about that is like you know, I feel like when it's the school year, we get so set in our little routines where it's like, we got to make the lunch. We got to do the homework. We got to charge the Chromebook. We got to pack the backpack. We got to sign the reading log. We have to, whether we did the reading or not, we got to do all the things, right? And right. and in the summer, that pressure is kind of gone. So you have a little bit of playtime where you can kind of 
if it's it's okay if it takes an extra 15 minutes to clean up the kitchen it's okay if it right. takes an extra 15 minutes to, like make a meal and all you're gonna do is help your kid build up their independent living skills I, I love that so you can kind of find something that's age appropriate for them to do and get involved um, that the whole family could kind of benefit from laundry also teach them yeah. how to do the laundry Oh, I yeah. think Jonah was like maybe five and I taught him how to use the washer and dryer. Oh, I'm wow. Gonna, I'm going to revisit that. Like, yeah. No, it was and it was it was like something that I brought home from work. Like I met a client who was a grown man who didn't know how to do laundry. And I was like, no, oh, we're not going to have this. We're not having yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I was doing laundry for like my whole house by the time I was in like seventh grade. So those laundry skills, man, they come in handy. Laundry never goes away. I wish it did. Yeah, <laughs> I guess kidding. it does go away if your dryer goes out. But anyway, all kinds of fun activities to do and lots of free things. Like I mentioned, you could get a Zoom membership. That's not free. But really, again, it pays for itself after so many trips. Parks, of course. One of our favorite things to do is the library's summer reading and literacy program. Mm-hmm. It's awesome 100% free to participate and it comes with all kinds of perks like after you do the summer reading program at the library we get tickets to the baseball game and we get tickets to our local art museum for free Um, so great incentive they do all kinds of fun little things too they'll send home little craft bags and craft activities we made a little dream catcher last year and we actually potted some little seeds Um, they had little seedlings that you could pot and then build a little herb garden so that was really fun so check out your local libraries, see what they have going on. That's always a, a super fun thing to do. And one thing you could think about if you have a kid who's a little bit older, middle schoolers especially, is volunteer opportunities. What can you do to get your kid involved in giving back to the community? That's this, a good one. This looks great on college applications too, right? And the more years that you have of volunteering experience, the better. And, you know, if your kid's old enough to like go out there and get a little summer job, even if it's just like, you know, nights and weekends, just something really basic, that's going to give them some good experience and and be a good thing to help them kind of build their own self-confidence. So think about those things for older kiddos. I loved the volunteering one. I think it'd be so cool if there was something you could get involved with as a whole family and volunteer. My dad and one of my sisters, they used to volunteer at our local um, food and clothing pantry. And that was just a, a really cool thing. And it was kind of their like special hangout time together. You know, it was like every Saturday morning. That's just what they did. And they got to spend time together. It was really cool. All right. Last thing I want to talk about is just some summer reading. Um, While we're kind of on that topic, summer reading is so important. And I want to do another episode on summer slide too, because a lot of kids will lose a lot of their reading and literacy skills over the summer. So it's really important to stay on top of that. And some statistics with that, only 34% of kids ages six to eight are read to and only 17% of kids ages 9 to 11 are read to. So that's not a lot and that's, that's coming from a crazy yeah, to me. Yeah, that's like a third of kids yeah are are being read to. You know, there's so many positive benefits to reading with your kids, reading to your kids. Early literacy skills are so important. Those stats by the way came from a um, scholastic survey. Scholastic report. We know how you love scholastic. <laughs> I do love their website. Check this out. This was from the same report. 83% of all kids on the report liked or loved being 
being read to at home. That's how they rated it. So they're not over here saying, I hate it. It's not fun. They probably really want that. So just keep that in mind and keep that as part of one of your routine and some cool things to kind of think about to mix it up. Maybe if you have a summer vacation that you're going on, you could pick out a book that's based on one of the places that you're traveling to. So if you're going to the beach, you could pick out a book about the beach. If you're going to the mountains, pick out a book about the mountains. Then you can kind of relate and talk about those things and help get your kids excited about their vacations. You could also tie in a meal or like a fun family event around a book theme. And I'm going to have to do this because right now we're reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Fisher. And I'm like, how fun would it be to just go out and buy a bunch of like Wonka chocolates and just like watch the movie and just have like a whole movie night, chocolate night, and just after we read the book. So we're going to make that an incentive for us. Another really cool topic, and this would be a perfect one to do with Jonah for, for kids who are a little bit older. You could pick a theme or a genre. So like poetry, science fiction, fantasy, adventure, whatever it is, and make it the summer of that. So the summer of fantasy books, the summer of science fiction books. And that way your child really gets to explore in depth an entire genre and they get like a really good solid understanding of what that genre entails. And and one of the cool things I saw on there, like poetry, how fun would it be like to do the summer of Shel Silverstein and like you read Shel Silverstein poems every night. I absolutely love Shel Silverstein. But anyway, all kinds of fun, fun ideas around reading. I've got some really great articles that I got um, a lot of this information from. I'll put all of those in the show notes. But again, we want to hear from our, our listening community on our Facebook page. What What are some of your favorite things to do in the summer with your kids? How do you keep summer fun, interesting? How do you keep your kids on a good routine? We're really excited to hear all of that. And these are some really great ideas to prevent the unlimited screen time and video games with his dad that would (laughs) most likely be what Jonah's summer consisted of. Yes, yes. I'll I'll add a few of these in for some variety. I am super excited, as I know all of us are, to hear what medical mystery you have for us today. Today, we are going to talk about picnic poisoning. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Picnic poisoning. Let's dive in. It's very confusing. It's like up and exciting. Yay, a picnic poisoning. Mm. No, that's bad. Mm, mm-hmm. So really what what I wanted to get into was food poisoning. Um, I'm going to talk about that just a little bit. It is, as always with me, a shallow dive. But obviously, when it gets to be summertime, it's typically warm outside and we're gathering with friends and family to eat and things can go wrong. So these are some tips and some information because I don't know about you, Miranda. Have you ever had food poisoning? Not that I can recall. Although one time I ate one of those suckers that's like tequila flavored with a worm in it and I threw up. Okay. (laughs) I don't think that was poisoning. That might have all been in your head. Why would you eat that? Somebody got it for me from an airport and was like, oh, yeah, it's a cool tequila worm sucker. Okay. I actually did get food poisoning one time, and as did my father. And it's my mom's fault. 
It oh no! Was, <laughs> it was a salad. She made a delicious salad one year for Easter, and I think it was. Um, we think it was the lettuce. But that's the thing with food poisoning. You don't end up knowing. But you'll yeah. remember a few years ago, there were all those issues with romaine that was contaminated. Right. right. What was we it think- contaminated with again? It wasn't listeria. Um, it wasn't listeria. I think it was actually E. coli, if I remember right. Ooh, ooh. Um, or salmonella. I'm not sure which. But anyway, I want to talk real quick about food poisoning. Obviously, we know that food poisoning or foodborne illness. Well, what happened caused- with this salad? Oh, I don't know if we should talk about it. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't ruin another pair of Hawaiian shorts. Did you? I, I didn't. But uh, I mean, my, parts of my soul, I think, were ruined. And oh no! My parents were actually leaving to go back to Ohio from down here in the south mm-hmm. the next day and they ended up having to stay two nights in West Virginia because my dad was so sick. Oh no. It was was like all of the things on the Pepto-Bismol ad, (laughs) upset stomach, (laughs) indigestion, diarrhea. Oh wow. It was bad. Oh gosh. But anyway, like I said, food poisoning. It's caused by either bacteria or viruses that are found in food. Um, And the symptoms often look like a stomach flu. So most people, like a lot of times people will have food poisoning, but they'll just think it's like a stomach bug and, Mm. and, you know, they don't Mm -hmm. ever know. What really happens is the food is very prone to having bacteria in it, like, because bacteria are, they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. We'll talk in a minute on ways to avoid it, but that's one of the big things is if stuff isn't prepared properly or stored Mm -hmm. properly Mm -hmm. it gives the perfect environment for those bacteria to just flourish sure and that's how you end up yeah yeah so do you know what the most common cause of food poisoning is no idea no idea at all lunch meat (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I was actually being more specific as far as like what type of bacteria. Um, oh. it, I did a lot of research and there's very conflicting studies, but salmonella and campylobacter seem to be mm. at the top of the list. And those are often found in meat, poultry, and eggs that are raw or not or, or are undercooked. Mm, and it can mm-hmm. also be in dairy products that haven't gone through the pasteurization process, also found in raw fruits and vegetables. There's another one that I know that we've all heard of, listeria, yes. which reminds me of wisteria, which is a beautiful, horribly invasive plant down here yes. in the south. Beautiful. It'll kill your trees. But it's not wisteria. It's listeria. And listeria is found in unpasteurized milk, soft cheeses that are made with the unpasteurized milk, and also can be found in deli meats, hot dogs, and store-made deli salads. I feel like this is the one they really are concerned about pregnant women getting. Is that the thing? I thought that was something different. I just remember like when I was pregnant, it was like, don't no eat deli any meat. deli meat and don't eat any soft cheeses and don't eat at a buffet if there's cheese because it's been sitting out and it's covered in listeria. Staphylococcus 
Auris, which that's staph, like staph infection. Staph infection. Yeah. Don't want that. uh, And that's usually more when people are touching, like somebody has it on them and they touch stuff. Yeah. But it can also be in meats and like eggs if they're not refrigerated. Um, Another big one is E. coli. Yeah. E. E. coli. (laughs) (laughs) I do it every time. I don't know why. (laughs) E. coli, I believe, is the one that ends up happening when it's like fruits or vegetables because it's often in food or water that is contaminated. Mm, that sounds so, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I I did want to mention this botulism because I always have heard of that botulism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually what they use. Um, they inject it in people For now. Botox, yeah. And, yeah. But it's actually a very rare form of food poisoning. It is found all over, like it's in the soil, in the water, all these kinds of things. And the other place that botulism shows up, because it can show up in like canned vegetables. Right, right. If that they're not to canned my, properly. That happened to my brother-in-law one time because they used to buy their canned stuff when my husband was a kid. They would buy it at like the... I don't dent know, what and, the dent scratch and dent dent story, stuff or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And sure enough, like he went to open a can of beans one day and like, I guess he like breathed it in. It was like a whole situation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who knows? That's yeah. the other, the other thing where that comes up is when babies eat raw honey or corn syrup. Really? Yeah. Really? That's so that's like a really random thing, but like babies aren't supposed to eat raw honey. Yeah. Well, I knew knew that, but I never knew it was botulism. Interesting. Huh. Here was an interesting fact. So the, the, like I mentioned, the symptoms are typically similar to like a stomach bug or stomach flu. I I feel like in my life, at least, there's always been this debate on is it food poisoning or is it something else based on the timing, like Mm -hmm. of when, you know, like, because when you're trying to. Yeah. Why do I feel so sick right now? Yeah. Right, right. It does take time for food poisonings to, to symptoms to start. And when they start varies. Most commonly, they happen in about one to three days. But symptoms can start as early as 30 minutes after consumption Mm -hmm. of a contaminated food and can go as long as three weeks after. Oh, no. Oh, no. Depending on what bacteria or virus is causing them. So I thought that that was wild. That it can vary. Normally, like with food poisoning, yeah, if you eat something and you're not feeling super great, you kind of tell yourself like, "Oh, I'll feel better tomorrow." <laughs> like, right. I'll I'll get over this. You just got to get it out of my system, which normally involves a lot of Pepto-Bismol. But <laughs> yeah. But to think that it could last up to 3 weeks is like, oh, that's terrible. Or like imagine it doesn't even show up until 3 weeks after you've eaten that. You would oh never put together you would never that know. that's what it was. You would never know. You know, I guess unless it was pinworms and you had some really bad sushi at the grocery well, store. Well, that we've talked about that. You'll know <laughs> if it's that. I want to talk about some basic tips to avoid food poisoning and then we're going to get into like this picnic specific tips. The basic tips, always wash your hands after especially doing these things. I'm going to list them. Using the restroom, changing diapers, smoking a cigarette, 
blowing your nose, actually just don't smoke a cigarette, blowing <laughs> your nose, coughing or sneezing, touching animals. That's a big one because those mm -hmm. animals, we love animals and we all love to touch animals, mm -hmm. but they carry some things that we are not ready for. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> when you're prepping foods, always wash your fruits and vegetables well before eating them. And if you're cutting raw fish, poultry, or meat, use a plastic cutting board. Don't cut meats, raw meats, on a wooden cutting board because you can't you can't get that clean. Yeah, it's too porous. That stuff will get down in there, and then it comes back out on everything else. Yeah, yeah utensils and. And surfaces should always be washed with warm, soapy water before they're used to prepare food. Make sure that you cook everything for the right amount of time. And then keep your meats away from other foods. So that, that you can end up with a cross-contamination thing mm -hmm. if, you, mm -hmm. if you mix. And I remember like... When I worked at a restaurant, there was a big thing about keeping poultry away from beef because there's some weird, there's some hmm. different things there because you don't have to cook beef, like think a steak or whatever. Mm -hmm. You don't have mm -hmm. to cook it at as high of a temperature if you're making it like, you know, rare or medium rare right. as you do chicken. So if it's oh, if it has the sure. chicken bacteria yeah. on it and then it's not it getting doesn't to get the high hot. enough temperature, yeah. then you're going to, you know, cross-contamination That's crazy. Stuff. You know, I, I always think about that too. When I worked at Panera, I was on the sandwich line talking about summer mm. jobs. I worked yeah. at Panera when I was in high school and we, we had to be really, really careful with our knives and... Mm -hmm. I hated people would order peanut butter and jelly sandwiches off our kids menu. Right. And anytime we touched peanut butter, that knife had to immediately go away because so many people have peanut allergy. Oh, yeah. Like, that was probably an allergy thing. Mm -hmm. And it was so like, I guess it wasn't like a bacteria thing, but just thinking of like cross contamination because we would use the same sandwich knife for for just like cutting our sandwiches in half for every single other sandwich that we had but as soon as that pb and j came out that knife had to go away like wow. it was no it yeah was i mean dead. it is something that you have to really think about you know because yeah. you don't want certain things touching other things yeah and i know um, too like nowadays I feel like there's more of a prevalence of like gluten allergies, dairy allergies. Maybe you could do a medical mystery on that for us, like food allergies. Oh, those in are definitely on the list. It's for so sure. interesting. But like we have a lot of friends in our friend group who one has a, a dairy allergy, one has a gluten allergy. And so I try to be really careful. Like if I have people over like labeling stuff and not cross contaminating, and like if this was in a bowl, I'm not letting anything over here go in that bowl. It's like a whole situation nowadays. And I feel like. <laughs> Like we all need a lesson on that. <laughs> no, I agree. Hosting um, in an allergy prevalent world. <laughs> so according to the CDC, every year, 48 million Americans get food poisoning. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. <laughs> so here are our tips specific to picnics and summer summer food gatherings. Keep the mayonnaise in the kitchen. 
Why? That's... I love the mayonnaise. Okay, I well, love the mayonnaise. We're going to talk about it. I want the mayonnaise on everything. Well, mayonnaise made with is mayonnaise. a tasty addition to a sandwich, <laughs> coleslaw, or pasta salad. You it can't contains... have anything without mayonnaise in the okay. South, especially. I, I know your feelings on mayonnaise, but okay. mayonnaise contains egg. Yes. Which is unpasteurized, which makes it oh. very susceptible to the growth of bacteria. Oh. And the consequent bacteria are a very common cause of food poisoning. So it's not necessarily like you don't necessarily need to leave mayonnaise out. I'm not saying that. But you should make sure that it's kept at the right temperature and and anything that has mayonnaise in it is kept at the right temperature. Which is so, literally everything I make on the 4th of July. Everything right. I so make has you might need to get one of those chill tables because it all needs to stay cold. That's a good idea. But like, I guess what I'm saying, my main point is when you pull out like your ketchup, your mustard, your relish, your mayonnaise, don't pull out the mayonnaise unless you've got like a ice bucket to put it in. Because otherwise, oh. if it's real mayonnaise, now you know. I oh, know I use I use the real stuff. I know I'm you not, do. I grew I'm up not. in a Miracle Whip family. I don't know what that Ugh. is. Oh no, I, that's I'm that's sorry, the imposter. No, you gotta have the Dukes. Gotta have Dukes. Okay, here's the next tip: make sure that cold foods stay cold and hot foods stay hot. So. When it's warm outside, it can obviously, it affects the safety of the food you consume because bacteria like to grow faster in warmer temperatures. When you cook your food, make sure that you prepare it to the right temperature. They suggest that you use a meat thermometer. And I mean, there's lists of what temperature different things should be to. And then obviously, if it's cold, it needs to stay cold. Now, a lot of the articles that I read had tips in them for like COVID era Mm-hmm. I would like to say that that's behind us, but um, honestly, the biggest recommendation is like individually wrapped things. You know, oh, if, okay. if you're having like a COVID picnic yeah. or a picnic where people and and my mother did this with her like Fourth of July picnics, she would mm-hmm. wear those like food service gloves and like yeah, put like make little baggies of this and little baggies sure. of that, and like yeah. even went to the food service place and got the like individual like little cups like uh-huh. like you, when you get a side of macaroni salad, yeah, and had those at her picnics during COVID because she yeah. didn't want you know people people touching stuff right reaching in with the same utensil and scooping out a blob of macaroni salad yeah which sounds delicious to me i'm here for it but it seems very likely it could be contaminated the other thing that it mentioned in here and i would have like never i've never really thought about it but when you like say you go to all this trouble and you individually package everything but then you have all your forks in one cup and everybody has to grab a fork out of the cup. Oh yeah, guilty as charged. I yeah. that's my then move. There's yeah. no way for them to get a <laughs> fork without potentially contaminating all the other forks. And yeah, so, like Great all of point. your work is erased. Great so, point. Just stay aware of that. Separate raw foods from cooked foods, and that's similar to what um, I mentioned earlier. Don't prepare raw foods on the same surfaces that your other like that your cooked meat is on. 
So that's an important, like if you're grilling, you need to have like a raw meat plate and then oh, a cooked yeah. meat plate. Right. Which I yeah. think most of us know that, but every once in a while you'll be at somebody's house and they won't have two plates and you're like, whoa, what are yeah, you, yeah. What are you like, doing? Did you wash that? Like, did you wash that, please? Because <laughs> Or really I mean, gross. don't forget, like foil, throw a piece of foil on right. it. Like, that's it my move. You don't even right. have to use a different plate, but like you just shouldn't have the cooked food touching the the same surface surface yeah. as the raw food it's so funny because i feel like you could draw a line between adults who have worked in food service and there are many of us oh yeah and like and those who have not and i i will never forget this was hilarious one of my friends um had a baby shower and her sister's husband was like a chef like a private mm-hmm. chef and he was f- fantastic and he did all of the food for her baby shower it was wonderful and we're all like having a great time we're like chit-chatting in the living room and all of a sudden this huge alarm goes off it's like and he like pops up and because it was like a couple shower and he's like i have to put all of the meats away because it's reached the two hour mark and like up he goes to the kitchen because everything had just been sitting out you know for people to like go back and graze and (laughs) before you know it he's got it all put away well and yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because that was also one of my tips nothing should be left out for more than two hours two hours is the the max apparently which if you have like if you have like a day long picnic that's not very long no no especially when like you start setting stuff out like oh it's it's you know people are coming over in about 15 minutes you start setting stuff out half an hour before people arrive then people are hanging out you have a four-hour event and before you know it you know that time's just gone and and all your food's been out I'm thankful for last year and I you know about this and and my family knows but I threw this huge party for my parents 50th wedding anniversary I still have a koozie it was the it was the fourth of July and one of my parents' friends let me borrow this huge chill table. It was like nice. a six foot banquet table, but it oh, had wow. a plug in the bottom and like uh-huh. an edge on it. Oh, and cool. so you put like a ton of ice. ice. It was like four bags huh. of ice in there. Wow. And so we had all of the cold stuff because that was like way more than two hours worth of a party. Yeah, right. So we had all of the cold stuff down in that and you didn't have to worry mm-hmm. about that. And then I had all my hot stuff in crock pots. Crock pots are the way to go with the liners. Get the liners or don't do it. Don't do I it, ladies. I didn't get the liners, but oh, I had crockpots. So um, all about the liners. Love a crockpot, but love yes, it. the recommendation is two hours. And then this tip kind of made me chuckle a little bit because it's basically because it's impossible if it's my family. But it says arrive early. If you're going to a large outdoor gathering, you might want to be one of the first to arrive to avoid the bacteria growth that could occur (laughs) later. What an incentive to get somewhere on time. (laughs) I'm like, wow, I never really thought about it before, Uh, but yeah. The longer you wait, the more germs you're subjected to. You don't want to come late. You really don't. That's funny. That's funny. 
Um, I thought there was were some pretty good tips. Yeah. I did also want to mention this, and I thought that this was really f- interesting. When you leave foods that are prone to contamination, so anything that's meat, dairy, or has anything that's like unpasteurized in it, if you leave them in what is called the danger zone, Ooh. which danger zone the highway uh, you to should the sing the, you should sing this song the highway to the danger, danger zone, zone. <laughs> for these purposes the danger zone is between 40 and 140 degrees fahrenheit that's a pretty big danger zone is all i'm saying it's 100 degrees i mean my question is who stores their food at 140 (laughs) degrees that's a really weird temperature Uh, but anyway what happens in the danger zone is that the number of bacteria can double within as little as 20 minutes what no way oh my gosh so oh I don't gosh. know. I don't know if my chill table had stuff under that's, forty degrees. That's Probably exponential not. Exponential growth. I mean, I mean yeah. you think about that. Like, think about over an hour if it's doubling. Like, oh yeah, oh, no. It, it actually goes on to say that after two hours, it's most likely that this food is unsafe to eat if it's in wow. the danger zone. Wow. <laughs> So y'all be safe oh out there. Oh my goodness, be I'm safe not, out there. I'm not saying I'm your not saying egg salad. Don't gather with friends and family, but like you know, make you sure that stuff is washed. Wash your hands. Be the go early. Narc out there, yeah. <laughs> How long has this food been sitting here? Well, oh, you see, it is sixty. Uh, it's sixty degrees in this table. Oh my gosh! The picnic police comes around with the <laughs> thermometer. <laughs> this is in the danger zone, Kathy. I'm going to have to ask you to shut the picnic down. <laughs> I mean, we might need that if 48 million Americans end up with food poisoning. <laughs> Y'all be careful. Enjoy yourselves, but be Stay careful. Stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> Take you right into the spotlight segment. The spotlight segment. Oh, see what wow. I, see what I did there? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I, still I, stuck I, in my head. I'll be singing I it all night now. The danger I zone. I have a very interesting spotlight for us today. I was trying to think of something that was summer themed mm-hmm. because, you know, mm-hmm. these are our summer episodes. We Summertime. were worried about summer schedules and picnic safety. Um, So our spotlight for today is a place called Flying Horse Farms. Ooh, that's a new one. It is. I'm I'm almost certain that you've never heard of it. No, I want to look them up like right now. It is actually from my neck of the woods. And the reason that I am aware of them is my mother does some charity work for them. Um, And well, I'll get to that in a second. But what Flying Horse Farms is a medical specialty camp that provides a healing transformative experience for children with serious illnesses and their families 
free of charge. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. They are located in Mount Gilead, Ohio, which is not too far from where I grew up. They serve children, teens, and young adults who live with cancer, arthritis, rare diseases, and disorders of the heart, lungs, kidneys, gastrointestinal system, so on and so forth. Mm. Many of their campers also face co-occurring post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, and other mental health illnesses as a result of their diagnoses. Their participants at Flying Horse Farms participate in in traditional summer camp activities under medical customized supervision. Wow. So the activities include archery, boating, fishing, Mm -hmm. arts and crafts, uh, nature, you know, sports and rec. They can go camping. And then there's group activities. So in addition to a lake pool and a big red barn, Their facility features a state-of-the-art medical facility and 24-7 on-site care from a full-time medical team. That is incredible. I just pulled up their website, and this is awesome. I cannot wait to share this with our listeners. This is absolutely incredible. So I'll give you their their website. It is flyinghorsefarms.org. And as I mentioned, all of all campers go free of charge. They allow campers for from ages eight to fifteen, but then they have family camps for kids that are younger than that. Um, so the like the whole family can go. It's such a unique situation, and I'm sure there's others across the country. Like I said, um, I just know about this one because they provide each camper with a quilt at the end oh, of their camp week. That's what your mom does. And that's what my mom does. Oh, I love my, that. Yes. My mom and a group of her friends put together quilts that are given to the, the summer campers. So, oh, that is so cool. Um, y'all, please check it out. They are, of course, a nonprofit and you can make donations or if you're in that area, they do have um, volunteer opportunities yeah. and whatnot. And really uh, cool events. It looks like they have like concerts and like different events yeah, too for like they do. They do a lot of fundraising. And looking at their fundraiser page, too, um, they have Amazon wish lists. So, yes. like, they have medical equipment that they need. They have camping equipment that they need. So, like, even if you don't make, like, a monetary donation, like, hop on that Amazon wish list and, like, you could, you know, transform a child's summer experience. That is so cool. What a great spotlight. Well, and I'll I'll tell you just one little tidbit. Like, this, I, this really just warmed my heart. My mom was telling me, you know, she knows several people that are affiliated with the camp. Kids who have sickle cell anemia are are very prone to issues with temperature changes. Sure. And so they have this pool and they have they keep it at a certain temperature. But then Mm. if it's colder outside, they actually have like a warming room. Like oh, cool. so that the so the temperature change isn't so abrupt. Like yeah. they, they want to avoid a crisis. And like right. I'm not kidding, they take kids with some very very serious yeah. medical issues, and those kids don't have the option for camp. And I just right. think that that is right. so cool. That's amazing. everybody should have the option to roll down a hill and end up with muddy shorts. One hundred percent. Oh my gosh, how cool! What an awesome spotlight. Thank you so much. Um, please be sure to check these guys out. Um, we'll put links on our social media. Um, I can't wait to learn more about Flying Horse Farms and get involved. 
If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at mothermayhempodcast at gmail.com. 